Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 106 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer, director, producer J.J. Abrams and the extended Bad Robot universe. I'm your co-host, Matt Crandall, here with my other co-host, Marcelo Inestroza, as we continue our rewatch of Fringe, season three. Today, we are going to be talking about episodes 10 and 11 of the third season. The first episode up is The Firefly which aired January 21st, 2011, written by Wyman and Pinkner, directed by Charles Beeson. Marcelo, what is your favorite song by Violet Sedan Chair? I don't think I've ever heard of that band, but if Christopher Lloyd is in that band, then you have my money right there. The thing that I loved about this episode is this episode leans into the mythology of the series, but it also deals with cause and effect because in this episode, basically September is trying to correct the cracks in the timeline that our Walter created when he initially brought Peter from the other universe to our universe. So I really love the moral implications and the conversations that are had in this episode by Walter and September. The other thing that I love about this episode is the progression of the relationship between Peter and Olivia and how that is starting to get worse, but it's starting to get better little by little. It is getting a little bit better and things do have to get worse for that healing to begin. And one of the key moments of this episode is that Olivia gets a delivery and opens it up, and it is a book, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him, that Peter has sent. And he opens it up, and there's a card, you know, to Olivia. And this is 2011, so this is not overnight delivery. This is something he ordered a few weeks ago for Olivia. And so I love that there are a few scenes where she's like, yeah, I got this book from you but it wasn't meant for me it was meant for her and he says no it was meant for you like i wanted to share my favorite book and let you know more about me so even though i ordered it for her as a way to let her know who i am i still want you to have it because this whole thing i thought she was you and that is going to take a while to get over, but we start to see the road to healing in this episode. So it doesn't feel like an impossible feat at this point in time with all the information that we currently have, which the way that fringe works, there's an ominous line that the observer says to Peter about how it's something about it's difficult being a father right before he shoots him. And we start to wonder, is that line going to ripple some way down the road? Because why would he say that to Peter? So we still have lots of balls up in the air. But that book moment with our Olivia and Peter discussing the fallout of what has happened and how they are going to be able to maybe find their way back to each other. This is a little bit of a, a, a glimmer of hope in that. So I thought that part was really interesting. They officially bring the Folivia name into the show because Walter refers to her as that. 
And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, he's calling her faux Livia just like Walter Nitt so that we can distinguish as they're talking about, you know, the fallout of her visit. So I thought that was cool. And having Christopher Lloyd show up as Roscoe Joyce, if you're going to do a weird time traveling story about a son who's long dead, who visits his father, and then it turns out it's because he was brought from the past to the future. And then, of course, the observer has to take him uh, from there back. Uh, you know, we're going to get a guy from back to the future when we're dealing with time travel. That's chef's kiss to me. So what are you thinking when they bring in this big recognizable star for the mystery of the week? But the mystery of the week really does have ramifications for the entire show in terms of Walter realizing the effects of everything that he has done. I really love it. Um, and like I said in the open, if you're going to bring in somebody who has experience in the time travel realm, so to speak, the best person that you can bring in is Doc Brown himself playing a retired, coked out rocker. And to move to your point, I love how the character that Christopher Lloyd is playing, how that story ultimately connects into the, into the decision that Walter made years ago when he brought Peter into our universe. I really hope that we get more things like that from B-stories that we get moving forward this season, that B-stories connect to the larger A-stories that ultimately have to do with Fringe's story as a whole moving forward. So I really, really enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, this is not our standard you know, you can just flip this show on. And if you haven't watched any, you can follow the mystery of the week. That B story is integrally tied to the A story. And we are in the territory now where the writers have just said, Hey Fox, guess what? Fuck you. We're just going to run with our story. If you haven't seen all the episodes of fringe, you can't watch this. And that's fine because we're not getting new viewers every week. So we're just going to make the ones that we have that have stuck with us super happy by giving them what they want, which is this main story that we have been building and building and building. And as we do this, there's a moment early on that echoes what we saw a few weeks ago. So there was a moment where the observers were watching and they're like, he's still alive. What are we going to do? He's still alive. So we now find out that they are, we're talking about Peter and that there is a choice that's going to have to happen. And in this, they have lots of discussions about whether Walter has changed at all. And early in this episode, Walter is trying to get pieces of his brain to grow back. And there is talk about, well, is that a good idea? Because the reason you took them out is because of who you were becoming. And he says, I need them back because I need to be as smart as Walter Nitt in order to fight Walter Nitt. I can't beat him if I'm not as smart as him. So that's on the table. The observers then have some meetings and they say, like, has he changed? And September thinks that Walter has changed. December doesn't think so. And September says, I'm going to prove to you that this guy is different now. And what they need to actually show is that when push comes to shove, Walter will be willing to let Peter die as a sacrifice if it will save the universe and the greater good, because this is a man who has gotten a second chance with his son that he didn't deserve or earn in the first place. It has caused so much 
shit to happen that I love that this thing where the observers are getting very active, especially September is instrumental in the way that all of this plot comes together. And he goes so far as stealing a woman's inhaler, causing a car crash, doing all this stuff just to test, to make sure that when the time comes, Walter will actually do the right thing. And when Walter and September have their quick meeting, he says to him, I have seen all of these futures. I doctor strange this shit. And in almost all of them, Peter has to die in order for stuff to go on. Your boy ain't making it out of this. So like you need to come to peace with this. And what are you thinking, Marcelo, as all of this grim reality of the fact that Peter still being alive was never supposed to happen in this universe. And the only way to ultimately course correct everything is that Peter Bishop may have to die. I have been very, very extremely critical of Walter's original decision to steal a son that wasn't his. And I really love time travel stories that have dire consequences because of the actions that the characters that I'm watching in those time travel stories take. So the fact that Walter might have to make the impossible decision of letting Peter die, for the lack of a better word, for what you just said, the greater good, I'm fascinated by. Because if he dies, what kind of individual will Walter become, even if he doesn't have the pieces of his brain implanted into him that William Bell took out? So I'm fascinated with the possibility of Peter dying. And if that happens, what kind of individual will Walter become then? Yeah, it's definitely one of the big questions on the table. And I did enjoy the way that we find out the, the episodes called the firefly. It easily could have been called the butterfly effect because that is what the firefly represents. We're not dealing with Malcolm Reynolds. We're dealing with the consequences of a girl trying to catch a butterfly, a firefly and seeing that when Peter was brought back because he was never supposed to be in our universe, things changed. And one of the things that changed was that Roscoe Joyce's son died. He got killed in a in an accident when he was crossing a street to go see his dad's band violet sedan chair play a show and that is the reason why the band gave it up and we get these great moments where they use music to try and influence memory and christopher lloyd and walter have a nice moment where walter thinks that this guy's going to be kind of mad at him and they have they share a love of strawberry milkshakes, which was really charming and does play into the plot as stuff goes along. But I love that we're using music to evoke memory. But then even in those moments, Roscoe says, you know, I had forgotten my son. And by this whole process, I now remember him vividly. And no one is supposed to have a second chance like that. And I'm so grateful that I got it. And that's really echoing in Walter's mind as the rest of the episode plays out where he, you know, realizes that nobody is supposed to get that second chance, but he's had way more than just a, a remembrance. He's had an entire other life that he didn't necessarily earn with his son. So I think that was really interesting. And I love that we're just setting up the observers are really ramping shit up. 
we're really getting into it as you know we know this doomsday is fast approaching and these two universes are about to collide pieces on the board are being set up and i'm really really intrigued to see who is going to survive once these pieces on the you know metaphorical chessboard that i'm postulating here is going to you know take effect also i'm really really interested to see what is going to happen to these two universes if peter steps into the machine are they just going to you know fold into one another or is one of them going to die or is one of them going to be incinerated where only one of them will uh remain as a result so we have a million questions here going forward in the weeks to come and i can't wait to see where the storytelling takes us speaking of setting up pieces episode 11 reciprocity aired january 28th 2011 written by josh singer directed by Jeanette swarks they set up the pieces of the fucking machine it is built it is good to go and we see that in this secret facility the whole thing is there it's being overseen by a head scientist dr james falcon who if you saw the biggest movie of 2022 you may immediately recognize as they're called orders maverick warlock from top gun maverick playing the evil doctor who at first we don't know is evil but i'm like charles parnell top gun maverick this guy's gonna be somebody in this episode and he ends up being a shape-shifting son of a bitch who is a mole but i love that we set up this machine and we see that it's set up and we're like oh man and they're like yeah we've put it together but like nothing has happened until peter bishop walks in this room and peter bishop his nose starts to bleed and the machine starts to come alive Marcelo, what are you thinking as the thing that we wished would never happen has happened? The machine is built, and this machine is reacting to just the mere fact that Peter Bishop is in the house. Dude, you better not step the fuck in there. If you step the fuck in there, everyone in this room is going to fucking die. I love this episode a little bit more than the first episode that we talked about this week. And here's why. This episode has a pace to it a, a a clock to it every everybody in this episode to me is getting a little bit more desperate than they usually do and the person that takes the lead in this episode and the person that i identified with the most in this episode is peter because he's doing things that are unlike him he is actually he's actually hunting down shapeshifters that Walternet has placed in our universe and killing them for their data disk because he is so tired of being behind the eight ball. So he wants to be ahead of the game. But that is also causing a major rift between Walter and Peter because Walter is says to Peter once he figures out that Peter is the one that's killing all these shapeshifters. Peter being so desperate really begs the question if Peter steps into that machine is his mind going to change is he going to is he going to have like last second thoughts is he going to say uh like when he steps into when he steps into that machine is his soul going to destroy our universe unknowingly 
why is he acting the way that he's acting? Is it because he's really desperate? Or is this what Walternet wanted the whole time? That's something we'll have to definitely discover. So I do like that as this episode goes, we realize that they have cracked a code that Folivia's files from her computer had, and they get basically the knock list from Mission Impossible. It's the list of all of the sleeper agents, and they start to realize that they are being murdered one by one, and they are the shapeshifters. Somebody's taking the disc. They are people buried deep within the government. They start to realize only a few people have access to this list. So the fact that the murders are now happening only after they decrypted the list means that it's someone in their system that's doing the murders. They start to dig into it. They do a lot of blood tests, lie detectors to try and find people. We eventually do out the one guy and we think that that must have been the guy, but then the murders keep happening. And when it is revealed that it is Peter killing these shapeshifters, it is a shocking moment because even though he's been through so much, and even though these are shapeshifters, they're the foot soldiers from the other universe, they're not exactly human. It's still shocking that Peter would go this far and not feel any remorse for what he's doing. Because when he is found out, he does not think that he has anything to apologize for. He says, this is just the shit that has to happen. These aren't real people. These are not like, I'm just taking these people off the board. It's him trying to wash away his own guilt for what happened with Olivia and faux Olivia by killing these people to somehow, you know, make up for what they, what he thinks they did to him. But it's a real leap to try and get on the page with that because the Peter that we have known for these two and a half seasons is not the kind of guy that we would think would go Terminator on these people for no reason and try and justify it to himself. When even though this is a war and lengths have to be taken, the fact that he's hiding in the shadows and just murdering these shapeshifters is a bridge pretty far. It's a big leap to have to take. So I think you're right that we still, there's so much more we need to know about why and has Peter himself changed or is it just that he's really convinced himself some sort of rationalization that this is the right thing to do. But even if that's the case, I start to question, you know, he's done, he has done some questionable shit, especially like in the finale where, you know, Walter and it's like, Hey, come with me. And he's like, yeah, okay. And you're like, what are you doing, Peter? So I think that we have a lot more to unpack with all of this, but what are you thinking as we're, we're moving forward? The machine is active. Peter is on a killing spree. And we are also dealing with bringing back up the first people, their text that we think is going to be instrumental in this whole thing. And by the end of it, we actually have more copies of the first people book and we find out that there was someone else who was really looking into these first people texts. And that was William Bell. Before I answer any of that, I just need to say that correlation that you made, the reason that Peter is acting the way he's acting is a way of him dealing with grief over how he handled the whole faux Olivia situation. I love that. 
that went that went completely over my head. So I'm really glad that you said that because the moment you said it, I was like, holy shit, he's grieving because he feels guilty. I'm really concerned with the whole first people kind of deal because I have an inkling of who they are and where they came from and ultimately what the writers are trying to say with that. But the fact that William Bell decided to research them also made me very concerned. So I don't know how that story is going to play out, but the one thing that I can tell you is that I'm terrified because what if we find out that William Bell had some involvement with the first people that he wasn't really researching them because William Bell, I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to speak ill of the fucking dead, but William Bell is not the most reputable per or he was not the most reputable person in the fridge universe. So it's logical to me that he might do some shady stuff to, 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 you know, for the greater good. So, that's the most interesting thing to me. While our French team is looking for the mole, they decide to look through Full Olivia's journal entries on our team. And eventually, our Olivia convinces Agent Farnsworth to let her read uh, Full Olivia's diaries and Full Olivia's reports. And our Olivia really comes to the understanding that. For Olivia did have feelings for our Peter and our Olivia comes to the understanding that her and for Olivia are the same by reading these journals. Our Olivia really understood that she really has nothing to feel bad about when it comes to the time that she missed with Peter. Sure. It was awful. It hurt. It was, it was, it was unforgivable what Peter did to her. But I really love how her feelings for Peter are somewhat justified by the actions of full Olivia in the time that she was gone. You guys know that I am a Peter and Olivia shipper. I'm I, I'm a shipper for a lot of couples in the you know in the Bad Robot universe, but Peter and Olivia are tops for me, and I I completely forgot that little wrinkle. So I really really enjoyed that. Also. With our Olivia being there now and understanding that her feelings are real, I'm really interested to see how their relationship is going to progress in the weeks to come and how complicated it's going to become if Peter ultimately goes into that fucking machine. Yeah, things are going to definitely get pretty complicated if Peter steps into that machine. But I did like that you mentioned as they... In break the encryption on Folivia's files. There's a funny exchange where they're like, how did you do it? And Broyle says like, Peter gave us some passwords and uh, one of them worked. And they were like, oh really? And Walter goes, it was a song lyric and Folivia ruined you two for all of us. And I thought that was really funny. And when Broyles originally goes to Astrid and says, I need you to go through these files. I can't have Peter or Olivia look at this shit because it reads like a diary. And even though there was, you know, a mission, Folivia did start to fall for Peter genuinely, partly because her and Olivia are the same. So the same things that charm our Olivia would charm Folivia. There are a few carryovers there. And so, you know, in the margins, 
you know, dear diary today, Peter Bishop was looking hot as shit. And I've got felt, you know, my loins firing or whatever it is. They don't want Olivia to read this stuff. And him and Olivia, Peter and Olivia have a nice scene where he says, I also don't want you to read it because I have conned people in the past and I know what I would have said about them if I was writing shit down. So if you read this, it's going to make me look like a fucking idiot. Like, I just know that what she's probably said about me is not flattering. And also, you don't want to be reading all the sex details that are probably in there. So I thought that was really interesting and provided a lot more context for that Folivia's motives and the way that her mission did kind of change. So even though I didn't trust her when she tried to say that thing at the train station, I thought she was still BSing. Maybe there was some kernels of truth in there, but that's still to be dealt with as we're moving forward here in the rest of season three. So if you are watching along with us next week, we are talking about episode 12, concentrate and ask again and episode 13 immortality of the third season of fringe. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please let us know. Like, follow, subscribe. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, anywhere you get podcasts. Just rate, comment. We love it all. If you want to get in touch with us, you can use the hashtag Radio815. If we get a comment, we will read it on the show or directly at JJUniverse815. If you want to get in touch with me, the best place is on Twitter, at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, Twitter's a good spot to reach you. How can the people do that? The best place to reach me is on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. So that'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Radio 815 over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.